What's up? It's Sierra, new member and ambassador for WW Weight Watchers Reimagined. Since joining, I feel healthier and more confident than ever. The new MyWW Plus, our most holistic program ever, gives you more of what you need to lose weight, like tools to help boost your mindset, get you moving, and plan meals based on what you have on hand. Plus, over 300 zero-point foods you don't have to track. The new MyWW Plus, more holistic, more personalized, more weight loss. Join today with a limited-time offer at WW.com. Hey guys, welcome to this week's episode of the Inside Line Formula 1 podcast. Kunal, it is a landmark moment for Formula 1 because some of the most gutsy changes in the sport's history have been introduced. Hello everyone and yes, Mithila, I agree there have been landmark changes. History has been made. Literally, that's how I felt when I read about the changes, right? And I think uh, Formula 1 and all of us will look back at 2020 and remember it for two reasons. first of course being the disruption thanks to the virus yeah that's not going to be our best memory at yes, all yes <laughs> yes but the second one which are these radical changes they might just be the best thing yet that liberty media and the fia have pushed through in formula 1 i know right it's like while formula 1 is in this state of shock uh, liberty media and the fia they've decided to slam dunk all these possible changes that they would have wanted very opportunistic very and it's going to make the sport and the business of formula 1 so interesting yes it's like that late breaking move you know just on the inside daniel ricardo style to perfection that's what liberty media and the fia have done So thank you very much for that right but here's a quick recap of the two key changes made in formula 1 that we will discuss in this episode first there's a budget cap in place one that's lower than the originally planned 175 million dollars per season yes guys the budget gap from 2021 is actually frozen at 145 million dollars per season and uh, this is actually going to reduce by 5 million dollars every season yes glide path that's the new term that the world of formula 1 is using these days remember it and it's a glide path to help teams restructure themselves to be able to you know get within the budget cap and the second change is in the aero regulations basically a team finishing lower in the world championship table will get more wind tunnel time than its competitors you know and gets get an advantage to get more competitive Yeah, so Kunal, frankly, I really think that Formula One has pulled off the unthinkable. You know, uh, you know, it's given, uh, given all the egos involved, actually, of the people making these decisions. It is a, a decision we would have never seen coming. I cannot wait for Formula One to get started under these new regulations. Absolutely right, and you know the way I see it, and like I said it, you know, just earlier is when we see a driver pull off a really daredevilry bold move in a race. we go gaga over it for the next few weeks and so on and this is you know that thing formula 1 has pulled off together with the FIA and you know i think like i said yes it's a very bold move uh, to to help the sport to help the business at least on paper right so in this episode we'll discuss these bold moves changes and how they could impact the sport we also discuss how teams could still outfox the administrators around the new rules i'm going to state a cliche you know teams pay their engineers millions of dollars to find rule uh loopholes in the rule books yes and we applaud the fia's uh, uh you know starting of the whistleblower hotline 
And most importantly, uh, we will actually tell you why the driver salaries shouldn't be included in this budget cap ever. Yes, so a lot to look forward to. And in fact, before we get to the budget cap, guys, a quick word on the Aston Martin Mercedes rumors during the rounds. Obviously. Yeah, I'm sure you all have all heard about it. Uh, it's being said that Mercedes will exit as a team and then they're going to remain as a power unit manufacturer. And that Aston Martin and Mercedes will merge to become one team under, wait for it, Lawrence Stroll. Right. First things first, guys. Remember, it's a rumor. So, but we're just talking about it. Uh, we're not trying to fuel the rumor. We're you know just going to dissect it a little bit. But if this comes true, Lawrence Stroll will go you know from becoming the father of a paid driver to the owner of a world championship team. That's Crazy. literally what he's going to do. <laughs> and we've been saying this all along. You know, Lawrence Stroll can go and buy himself a world championship if he wanted to. And maybe that's what he's going to do. Yeah, in fact, Kunal, we've even speculated that he could just go out and buy Formula One if he wants. Who mm. knows? Yes. And can you imagine Lewis Hamilton and Lance Stroll? That pairing could actually exist. They could be teammates. We've been joking about it. Could well be a reality soon enough. <laughs> and since it's only a rumor and the possibilities to speculate you know, further are endless, we could do one full episode on this. But we're going to save all ourselves the time because, you know, like I said, it's a rumor. Uh, I'm just going to end it with one last point, if you're okay with that, Mithila. Yeah, go for right? it. Uh, for Lawrence Stroll to succeed in Formula One, he'll need to separate his paternal instincts from his businessman instincts, right? And I assume uh, that a man of his stature and experience already knows this. That is a wise point, Kunal. And I think we're going to now move on to the budget cap and driver salaries uh, discussion. Thankfully, there's no cap on how many episodes we can have and how long we can speak and how much I get to pay you for each episode. <laughs> <laughs> that is true. But anyway, so from what I know, two teams have been making noises, you know, about the whole driver salaries being included in the budget cap. And those teams are not surprisingly McLaren and Renault. And coincidentally, these are the two teams that will have uh, two new drivers next season. Yeah, I think Renault is just burnt by this whole Ricardo situation and want to bring drivers under more control because, you know, clearly their driver policy has been out of control, you know, even before, before Ricardo decided to go. And as for McLaren, I think Zach Brown must be thinking, oh my God, I don't have a race winning car yet, but I'm going to pay a really high amount to just have a race winning driver on the team. <laughs> and that's probably why these are the two teams making all the noises about, you know, driver, sal driver salaries being under the budget cap. That's probably true. But Kunal, seriously, I hope the driver salaries are never included in the budget cap, like ever. Uh, I feel it's like Formula One drivers, they've, you know, they've always been one of the uh, most uh, highest paid sportsmen in the world. And it just doesn't feel right to cap the salaries. Yes. And this was actually a discussion I was having with one of our listeners, Ausep Kalivayalil. I know I pronounced that right. I tried it twice before. But uh, it's, it's crucial to sort of track back a little. Uh, you know, Formula One's budget cap is to try and bring as many performance-related elements that a team relies on, uh, you know, under the budget cap. And this is sort of create like a level playing field as much as possible between all the teams, right? So this is the reason why Zach Brown wants driver salaries in the budget cap, you know, so that a team has to strategize the best way to spend its money, you know, you know. 
uh, do you put more money on the car and get an okay driver or do you get a star driver and you're you know you're going to make do with an okay car you know those kind of compromises exactly and frankly i think the option that formula 1 needs is a star car with a star driver you know no <laughs> compromises there though i guess at this moment uh, every driver probably wants a car with you know a three pointed star <laughs> hint hint <laughs> but kunal that's exactly the point i'm trying to make there should be no compromises on either end I agree and I mean let's not get too eager and too emotional under the whole economic strains of the virus that you know could follow you know the next 12 15 18 months and That's true. That's probably what you know Ferrari's also been trying to say let's not just get too many radical changes uh, in the sport. But uh, I'm also going to continue my thought why uh, driver salary should not be included yeah. in the budget cap. Uh, I think that uh, a Formula One driver takes immense risk just racing lap after lap out there for us, and uh, the and racing fees, yeah, the racing fees that they pay is linked to this level of risk. And I feel that if we start paying them less, it doesn't necessarily do justice to the. uh you know just the brave act they're uh, performing by being out there and their stature in the mind of you know mere mortals like us might just drop yeah i mean esports anyway makes everyone believe that they are the next michael schumacher exactly like- exactly i mean it would be a shame if you know the average tennis player or hockey player was making more money than a race winning risk taking formula 1 driver Exactly and I mean there should also be some parity in the world of sport too you know uh, given that motorsport is extremely dangerous and requires a high skill set and stuff that you just said right but uh, let's also remember capping a player's earning isn't new in the world of sport you know largely like several other leagues several other series uh, you know have player earning caps like the Indian Premier League and even the NBA and and so on right Yeah that's true and if i have to do some quick math uh i mean lewis hamilton's reported annual earning from his driving duty is supposed to be what 40 million dollars and if his salary was included in the budget cap it would mean that mercedes would only have only kunal 100 million dollars to spend <laughs> on their car and on hiring other drivers well also drivers are attracted towards formula 1 because of the higher pay and the fact that it is the fastest series that's true uh, on the planet and so on right so and i say this in comparison to a lot of other motorsport series right and if we go back to the olden days like we all love to look back to you know uh, back in time there weren't as many formula 1 races so drivers were racing in multiple series to sort of earn their money you know but the modern formula formula 1 uh, calendar is just so hectic and so filled up that i don't think a driver can necessarily race in another series you know in parallel to to make extra money you know that's true oh uh, guys i think we made a pretty strong case why we think that driver salary should not be included in the budget cap if you all have an alternate view or if you all agree with us let us know we can discuss it yes we're the inside line f1 podcast yeah. on facebook we love to talk Anyway up next is a discussion around uh, you know the whole sliding scale for aero rules that was another landmark landmark inclusion we have to talk about it yes so gliding path is the term used for the budget cap and sliding scale is the term used for the aero cap it feels like they really thought about these <laughs> words don't they <laughs> you know so also this isn't the first time in history that formula 1 has attempted rules to make the grid more competitive right Uh, I think it was back in 2003 or maybe 2004 when the bottom six teams in Formula One were given permission to run, run a third car, uh, you know, in Friday's free practice sessions. 
and Renault back in time actually benefited from this rule to go and then clinch the title in 2005. So it has worked before. And when I say it, I mean, you know, having rules that sort of help slower teams pick up pace. Yeah, that's a very interesting example. And, you know, I think what one needs to do is all these new rules need to be seen as a whole and not as individual pieces. Like, you know, will the budget cap help a midfield team win the title? Probably not, but, you know... What thinking about will the error rules do something similar again? Probably not. But I think at least all these changes together give these, uh, you know, midfield teams a more fair, a more level playing field and a chance to do something they haven't been able to do all these years. Yes, you know, it's it's like uh, the rule changes up until now were only sort of being written to help the top three teams build further on their advantage. But now there could possibly be a genuine chance to at least bunch up the grid. And that's what I would love to see. I don't care who's first, who's last. As long as the field is bunched up, right? True, true. And uh, I really liked what Racing Point's Andrew Green said, you know, uh, my former colleague from Force India. Uh, he said very recently that uh, Red Bull, Ferrari and Mercedes won't be big teams of Formula One anymore. I think that's a pretty bold statement. Yes, they will still be the biggest brands in the sport, but there may not be as many guarantees, uh, you know, about their performances once these new rules kick in from next year. Very true. And also, Kunal, I'm going to say that these changes, uh, you know, we're going to see an impact of them over the season rather than just uh, surprises being sprung at us. You know, like it's not gimmicky no, at all. Absolutely. I mean, I know that, you know, various other motorsport series have resorted to gimmicks. And I, I still think the DRS is a gimmick. But I knew you were going to say okay. that. <laughs> but yeah, this doesn't seem like that. So guys, let's be patient. And uh, hopefully Formula One's aero approach from 2022 won't require the DRS. And Kunal will be a very happy man. As will a lot of you, I know. <laughs> I mean, I know it'll still be on the cars. But hopefully, you know, if the new formula works, we won't need to use it. Yes. So there's a lot of us hoping and praying uh, for the new formulae that they've put out for Formula One. And uh, but OK, uh, we're yet to explain what the sliding scale for aerodynamics actually is. And, you know, it's fairly simple. All these terms, forget about them. If you finish higher in the constructors championship, you get lesser wind tunnel time than your rivals who you've beaten. That's literally the only thing you need to remember. Yeah, I think it's really a great concept on paper, at least. I mean, basically, if the rule were uh, applicable in 2020, uh, Williams, they would have had maximum wind tunnel time and that would have hopefully helped them bridge the gap to the teams up ahead. You know, I like the fact that you and I have been using the word on paper, at least. It's <laughs> as though we have introduced these rules and if they sort of fail, we'll be held accountable for it. You know, <laughs> like we are issuing Very disclaimers. Very politically correct. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but honestly, with this, uh, the only thing that I am very eager to know or the thing that's most unclear to me is, you know, how the FIA and Formula One will police these A-team, B-team partnerships. It gets a little grey there. Yes, this is what we, you know, meant when we spoke about teams finding loopholes in the regulations. Exactly. Like, for example, Kunal, could Racing Point and uh, Mercedes team up just so that Mercedes actually runs more hours in the wind tunnel than this sliding scale allows them to? You know, I'm not surprised that you used Racing Point and Mercedes as the example here. Very cheeky, but okay. <laughs> <laughs> but I must say, Kunal, jokes aside, Racing Point, they already have a deal with Mercedes to use their wind tunnels. So, you know, I, see where it's going. Yeah, I keep getting this feeling that we might see the AB team partnership strengthen even more so going forward. 
But for once, it could be that the B teams hold, you know, some more negotiation power over the manufacturing counterparts. Because it's like, hey, you want to use my wind tunnel time, then you better give me a more juicy deal than you've been doing yeah, in the previous true. era. That's again pretty landmark, I would say. And in fact, guys, for all the B team, uh, team principals listening, and we know who you are and we know y'all are listening, whatever you do, do not settle for last year's designs and concepts for the A teams. <laughs> guys, we're advising you for your own good. I'm going to add a disclaimer. Yes. This message has been issued in public interest. <laughs> But, you know, it does seem like a historic wrong has been undone or corrected or, you know, uh, you know, a path correction has been taken somewhere. And the last Concord agreement that was signed in 2013 actually skewed everything in the favor of the top teams. And, you know, at that time, of course, the requirements were different because Formula One was wishing to go public. And, you know, Bernie Eccleston was asked to weave his magic, which has usually been divide and rule. So that's what he did with the teams back then. No, it's true. And it feels like the world at large is just moving towards a far more equal playing field overall, you know. So why not Formula One? True. And let's see how Ferrari fare, you know, when they are treated as equals. Because that's not always turned out the way it should. But, okay, more on that later. True, true. Okay, Kunal, up next. Something interesting to talk about. The FIS hotline for whistleblowers. Did that trigger come because I mentioned Ferrari just before you? Is, I'm is not saying anything All these insinuations all, all, all. on the Inside Line <laughs> F1 podcast. Yeah, so basically, if any of you know of any team in any series going against the rules, you can just go and report it. Can I um, report if you, you know, land up late in the studio for recording? I don't think you'd want to do that. <laughs> <laughs> but remember, guys, only legitimate reporting is allowed. Kunal, please take note. You could be charged as a criminal for misusing the hotline. Again. Which this... is what I think you're planning to do. <laughs> okay, this message again. So many disclaimers on the podcast. Here's one more. This message is issued in public interest. Please pay heed to it. <laughs> don't just call them if you're a Hamilton fan thinking Ferrari are cheap on their power unit and so on, right? But okay, honestly, uh, great initiative by the FIA, I think, uh, you know, to keep their governance as open as possible, right? And we've seen time and again, how whistleblowers have sort of helped them, uh, you know, see if the if, if the workings of teams have been, you know, within the legal framework of what they would like, right? And honestly, on this note, I, if only they could reveal what their settlement with Ferrari was over last year's power unit drama because Ooh. that was definitely not an open discussion right but okay maybe you know we should follow what the other teams uh, have done they've let it go and maybe we should as well yeah <laughs> okay the other news uh, that we'd like to talk about is that the Dutch Grand Prix has been cancelled for 2020 uh, Kunal it's very disappointing we were all looking forward to the race we were supposed to be there uh, the original date the, the original date but frankly I was kind of expecting this decision basically you know if Zanfurt wants to host a race uh, it makes sense right that the Dutch fans should be allowed in the stands to cheer for Max Verstappen absolutely I mean Honestly, their decision is totally understandable. You know, they've waited 40 plus, 30 plus years, sorry. And it would be a shame if the first returning Dutch Grand Prix, you know, would be held without the legion of Dutch fans all dressed in orange, all, you know, screaming and cheering out loud. You know, it would be again one of those circuits where red isn't the most dominant color like, you know, we've exactly. seen before. I mean, I really applaud uh, Zanfood and, you know, the local organizers, 
uh, it, it seems they would have refused Formula One's proposal to pay their money to host a race. True. And it, it just felt like, you know, a very Dutch thing to do, you know, to do things right and in the best interest of the fan and all of that. And I think the only Dutch thing you really knew and still know the best is what? Stroop waffles? Stroop waffles, baby. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So good. Uh, I wish to talk about Audi's suspension of Daniel Apt, the whole doppelganger mess that we saw a few days ago. Right. And I mean, on one hand, I understand Audi's decision, you know, at a brand level to suspend Daniel Apt. But on the other hand, I really think we're taking esports way more seriously than we should in our lives. Right. I mean, the next thing you know, someone goes and wins eight titles on the F1 2020 and just claims that he or she is better than Michael Schumacher. And the world will go and label that person as an esports legend or whatever, I don't know. Yeah, I, I think you can literally play like one full season every week on some of these <laughs> games. Like we could see an 80 times world champion on esports. Oh boy. Damn. But Kunal, the question I have in this whole, you know, uh, apt Audi saga, did Formula E and Audi force apt to participate in esports? That's the moot question, which nobody seems to be asking. Personally, I feel that some of the younger drivers are being sort of forced to fit in and participate and so on. And if that's the case, it's it's a shame for everyone forcing drivers to participate. And I'm on Daniel Apt's side on this. Absolutely. I think personally what he think what I think he did was a lot of fun. He gave a lot of other drivers who were being forced <laughs> a very killer idea to be there. Oh, by the way, there are reports that Valtteri Bottas is speaking to Renault for a switch in 2021. And uh, this is, of course, fueling the whole Sebastian Vettel to Mercedes rumor. Yeah, I mean, who knows if the Aston Martin-Mercedes, you know, uh, partnership that we just spoke about at the start of the episode, could that mean that Bottas, you know, is probably on his way out because Hamilton's going to partner Lance Stroll? Who knows? But... uh, if Mercedes stay and if Botas goes, I really hope it's... Lots of questions. Yeah, you know, I really hope it's Vettel who gets the seat and not Russell. I mean, it would be fantastic for Formula 1 to have a Vettel-Hamilton partnership in Mercedes, right? And uh, I also have seen this, you know, that Formula 1 is suddenly in a space where even the top teams are choosing younger and relatively inexperienced drivers over some of the most seasoned campaigners out there. And... All of it just seems very strange to me. And, you know, when you come to think of it, George Russell has had just one season in Formula One. So easy to forget, yeah, right? And that too with Williams. Yeah, and even his uh, so-called competitive benchmark wasn't really competitive because it was uh, Robert Kubica. That was bold, but yes. Yeah. And please don't go ahead and tell me that he's won, you know, the last two eSport races back-to-back. I, to me, it doesn't make the cut to give him a Mercedes uh, seat out there, right? Uh, But there's one thing that George Russell spoke of, which might actually just happen, which is a single day of testing before the first race of the season. I think it's a great suggestion for all of Formula One. And, you know, to be fair, pretty much everyone would have lost their rhythm with this extended break that we've had. And it would help the teams, the drivers, the mechanics, the pit crew. It would just help everyone get back in sync. That's true. And uh, Kunal, speaking of Renault, so Cyril Abitibol has said that Renault, they're seeking a long-term replacement for Daniel Ricciardo and that they may not make a decision before 2020 commences. You know, guys, I have seen Mithila stand in front of the mirror 
and keep repeating Cyril Abete Bol till she gets it Guys, right. Guys, that is she's a finally, lie. <laughs> she's finally gotten it right. I need to call the the the, the hotline and complain <laughs> about you, Kunal. <laughs> But frankly, I think Renault is just buying time, you know, to make sure that uh, that basically Cyril gets full support from the Renault board and uh, that he, they're going to continue in Formula One, you know, depending on what the team's future is. You know, let's think about it. We've been talking about the new rules, budget cap, aero cap, whatever, right? And the new rules of Formula One mean that this is the best time to enter or remain in Formula One rather than consider leaving the sport. And of course, we are not taking into account the economic considerations from the virus. That's a big one. Yeah, but could we actually see Formula One teams become profitable businesses that attract positive investments and not a distressed sale each time a team runs out of money? That would be an absolute best case scenario for the sport. And uh, on that note, guys, uh, we've reached the end of our episode. Thank you so much for tuning in. It's been wonderful talking to you all as always and we'll be back next week with lots more to discuss on the Inside Line Formula 1 podcast. Adios. Adios. Sierra, new ambassador for WW, Weight Watchers Reimagined. The new MyWW Plus, our most holistic program ever, helps you tackle the many elements that contribute to weight loss with tools to plan meals and get you moving. Join today with a limited time offer at WW.com.